0: Good morning, my name is Pastor Danny Deeth and I welcome you to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. It is summer in Columbus, Georgia and we are doing some things in new and different ways and we encourage you to hold true for your faith as well. Let's seek God in some new and different ways. We can do this together. We're glad you're here. Come on in.
1: The first lesson today comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who were called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that He might create in Himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. And He might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So He came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Continuing on
0: in our journey in Mark's gospel, we are in the sixth chapter. We are reading verses 30 through 34, and then skipping to 53 through 56. That is Mark 6, 30 through 34, and then 53 through 56. Listen for the word of the Lord. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place, all by yourselves, and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Switching to 53, when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gesinneret, and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to whoever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, to set our stage, if you remember last week, we talked about the disciples being sent out on their first solo mission. Jesus sends them out two by two, to go out, to heal, cast out demons in his name. It's their first go at it on their own. So now, our Mark passage begins with them coming back. And the first thing Jesus says to them is, come, let's get away and rest for a while. I want to hear all, I'm paraphrasing, I want to hear all about where you have been, who you have seen. Did some accept your word and me? Did some reject and rebuke you for the message that you brought them? Were you able to heal anybody? Jesus wants to hear all of this, but also sees that they are exhausted. Their first solo mission on their own. They're coming back. Jesus says, oh, okay. We need to get away and just sit down for a while and take a breath. But in that process... Where they went was known. They were seen where they were going. And so the crowds just didn't follow them. They got there ahead of them. And so they got no time. They had no opportunity to sit, to breathe, to relax, and to hear the tales of their missionary journey. Think about being on a mission trip, anybody that's ever gone or a significant vacation, or anything where you have been away for several days and you come back, and often all you need is a day to exhale, do your laundry, look through your pictures, re-engage with the world, maybe tell the stories from your trip if your, your whole family didn't go. They didn't have that opportunity just yet. So they went ashore and they saw him, and he had what for them? compassion. He had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw them and saw them as those whom he loved that were kind of aimless and unconnected. And as we know, Jesus as shepherd is a central biblical image. And so he began to teach them many things. Now, this is where it goes into the feeding of the 5,000, and we skip that. And then Jesus walks on water, and we skip that. And then after that, we pick up again. They came to this land of Gesinneret and moored the boat. They got out. They recognized him. They rushed about the whole region and began to bring the sick on mats, to wherever they heard he was, and wherever he went, villages, cities, farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. I couldn't help but think of the 1973 musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. Anybody? Yep. Yeah? all right, all right. There's the one scene where Jesus... Just finishes turning over the tables in the temple. It's powerful. His disciples are kind of wide eyed. What did you just do? All the people were wide eyed, thinking, What did you just do? The temple leadership were all wide eyed, saying, What did you just do? And Jesus kind of walks out angry by himself, and they show him then walking into the next section, which is called the lepers. And as Jesus is there, still upset from what he had just encountered and participated in at the temple, and they all start coming out of these caves and crags in the rock, and they're all in kind of black strips of matted cloth, looking more like mummies than living people. And more come, and more come. And it was just him. His disciples weren't even there at this point in the movie. And so as they get closer and closer, and more and more come, they surround him. Heal me, touch me, heal me, Christ. Not, I will spare you, but, but that's the, it's, it's, it's a sense of urgency. It's quick, it's choppy. They're all saying, heal me, heal me, Christ, heal me, Christ. And they're closing in on him to the point where the last scene in that, you see Jesus from above, he in his white His white tunic and all those who are sick around him, literally this claustrophobic sense of being closed in on. And he says, "I, I cannot heal you. I will not. I can't do this. Wow. That's not at all what happens in our passage, and I want to make sure you know that. Nowhere does Jesus say, oh, there's too many of you. Nowhere does Jesus, even though he's going to try to find some time to get away for he and his disciples, never does he see others and say, oh, no, nope. sorry, I, I need it, just give me an hour. Now, in the process that we skipped in, in Jesus walking on water, when he sends the disciples on ahead, he has some time, spend some time on the mountain praying with God. So he does get a little moment there, but the rest of the disciples didn't. They're going from one thing to the other. They did their mission, and now they're into the feeding of the 5,000. Then they're on the water, and who is that? Jesus, what's he doing? Walking on the What? And now they are surrounded again in this place called Gesinneret on the, the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, Did Jesus say, nope, 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 too much. You've got to give, give me some space. I'll make, me, make an appointment and I'll come back. Nope. It says, wherever he went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. Imagine, even in our day, We are so orderly. We are so in control. We are so structured in the way that we operate. But what if Jesus came to town, stood on Broadway, and the word got out that everyone who touched him, that he saw, were healed, who wouldn't be beaten a path to Jesus, We all, and we think of this idea of being healing in a physical way, but there's more to it than just that. But just that piece of it, or maybe someone we love who is ill, maybe someone's fighting a disease, maybe someone is dying, maybe some part of us needs to be healed. Would we go? You're darn right we would. What would it look like? It may look like a melee. It may look like a riot of sorts. But Jesus doesn't stop, and the disciples don't stop. So first of all, the intent is for them to get out and to take some time to get away from everybody. How many of us are really good at that? That's nobody. (laughs) How many of us really can step outside of our day-to-day, and maybe there are things in your life that help you do that. Maybe you have a place to go that helps you get away, maybe just on a weekend every once in a while. Maybe you've prioritized some of these things to help you get away. But there's a sickness also. The stats are these for American workers. We work on average 1,836 hours more than just about anyone else in the industrialized world. We take less vacation. Forty-two percent of working Americans don't take any vacation, and those who do, 61 percent of those report that they are working when they should have been playing. Paid time off makes up on the average 7 percent of an American worker's compensation. But most don't collect all they are entitled to. According to to Fortune magazine, the average American worker leaves about five paid days off per year unclaimed. If they're not buying those back, then they are paying their employees for the privilege of working on those days. So that's a part of our American DNA. We want good work ethics. We want to be seen as those who are accomplished and focused, and yet it can also destroy us. We know all too well when we can't get away, when we can't take a moment to breathe, how it affects everything and ripples out in our lives. Jesus wasn't, and the disciples weren't able to take this moment that they set aside, but all the way through Scripture, Jesus is taking time to go and pray and be with God in different places. Now, for our faith purposes, my my intent is not just to say get away from the hustle and bustle, because when Jesus and the disciples got away, they weren't vacationing, at the Sea of Galilee, Hilton, sipping hummus smoothies on the shore of the Sea of Galilee at the pool, when they were taking time, they were intentionally spending time with God. It wasn't that they needed just to get away from everything else and be distracted by whatever else they could. Distraction. If we're not careful, we hone the skills of distraction that move us all the way through our lives. Think about how many times you just sit in quiet and think about anything, really. I know I'm guilty. In my car, I listen to music or news, usually on my computer in my office, I've got stuff in the background. At home, I come in, watch TV, or go listen to some music outside. It's a challenge for all of us, and there's nothing wrong with kind of debriefing from the day and exhaling through some of that. But when that's all that we do, when we are not at work or at home or in those places that may stress us, then we're missing what should be the central connection, which is Christ. How much time in a week do you spend with God? I'm not looking at anyone in the eyes. I'm not. Maybe you pray some over meals. Great, great start. Maybe you come to a Bible study or a breakfast or something at church outside of worship. Great. But on your own, how much time do you give God versus how much time do you give Shark Week on the Discovery Channel this week? I like it. How much time do you give God versus spending all of your time out in the yard? Or going to do this or going to do that? And and again, those things aren't bad in and of themselves. Just as money is not evil in and of itself, 1 Timothy 6.10 tells us, but what? The love of money is the root of evil. And when we start, and I don't even think we realize, we hone our distraction skills so that we never sit and contemplate what really is our position in life. We are all sick, all of us. I feel pretty good, preacher. Nope, I'm talking about in a sinful way. We all fall short. We already did that at confession. But when we stop seeking God, when we stop learning, when we stop growing, when we moor our boat to all the other things that aren't Christ. We don't get away. We don't have a sense of that peace and purpose and healing that Christ can bring us. I'm not telling you that if you, you follow Christ, all of your illnesses will be, will be healed. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that healing comes in a variety of ways for a variety of needs. There is physical, there is mental, there is emotional, there is spiritual. And when we moor our boats to those things that simply distract, and many of those things are great, and we enjoy and we celebrate, do that. But you've got to have God at the center. Those things at some point will fall short. They will cease to satisfy. And then you have to go to the next bigger thing because then you'll be fulfilled. Jesus was in the disciples with the boat. And if they were going toward the shore, they would have seen them all out there. They could have decided, said, "Uh uh-uh, we are done for a while. Just give us a day, Jesus. Could have turned the boat around and gone back or gone to another port. No, they saw them and they moored the boat. Mooring a boat is attaching it, that vessel to something solid that will protect that vessel. In this case, it was the first step for them encountering their mission to heal and care for those that they saw. So, to what are we moored? Is it our distractions together? Is it empty media that fills our lives? Some. But remember, Jesus looked at them and had compassion for them. Not pity, not even empathy. Compassion is from come and passion. Come is with, and then passion is pain. That original meaning. We call it Passion Week, when Jesus goes into Jerusalem for the last time, where he is betrayed, crucified, Passion week. Compassion means with, with pain together or together in pain with others. It means that we are with others in a difficult place. Jesus doesn't look and point them out to the disciples and say, look, oh gosh, that is tough. Let's pray for them. He says, let's go Take care of them. Compassion is, as I see it, a verb. It moves us once we understand that there's a need to take action. We don't want to be like the photographer who, in seeing a man choking, starts to take pictures because that's what he's trained to do. And the man says, I'm I'm choking, I'm turning blue. And the man says, it's okay, I have color film in. That's a joke, it's okay. That was seeing that there's a problem, but not helping. That's empathy, oh gosh, that is hard. And yes, absolutely, we pray for those, and we can't be with everybody who is in need, but compassion means that we are there with them, in solidarity with them. That agape, that sacrificial love that is God's love to us, we are meant to show to others. Henry Nowen wrote that our culture has become most sophisticated in the avoidance of pain. Not only our physical pain, but our emotional and mental pain as well. We not only bury our dead as if they were still alive, but we also bury our pains as if they were not really there. We have become used, so used to a state of anesthesia that we panic when there is nothing or nobody left to distract us. When we have no project to finish, no friend to visit, no book to read, no television to watch, no record to play, and when human, when we are left alone by ourselves, we are brought to close too close to the revelation of our basic human aloneness and are so afraid of experienced an all-pervasive sense of loneliness that we will do anything to get busy again and continue the game which makes us believe that everything is fine after all and it's not we know it we know it i said it we lived it we all fall short we know that But today I want you to think about just these simple things. Have you been able to get away to do things that help you to breathe and fill your soul? Some of that needs to be with God. Often you're in beautiful places where it's hard not to feel God's presence with you, and that can feed you, absolutely. But remember that when they were looking to get away, they were doing so to be with God, to fill themselves with God's peace and God's love and God's grace. So that what? So that then they can go forward and have compassion with those who are suffering. And you all have gifts and can help so many people in so many ways. And you do. But if we are not grounded in Christ, if we are not moored to the risen Christ, then we cannot help or be as effective in helping those who suffer, because there are so many who are hungry and thirsty and homeless and physically sick, mentally sick, spiritually sick. You can help. You've been given everything that you need, and today we are reminded To more ourselves to Christ, so that we can go and have compassion on those whom we can help. That is good news. Hallelujah. Amen.